Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Brett Dobreskovic. In 2014, he had a near-death experience where he felt like he was connected to the divine, and today we're going to learn about it. Brett, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so the audience loves to hear about near-death experiences, and if you don't mind, can we start on the day that yours happened? Uh, it was February in 2014. It was actually in the evening I'm working on a mine site in uh, Australia and the mines where I work, it's this red dust and these big structures where they produce the iron ore. And I'm working in one of the highest risk jobs in Australia. So after the special forces, we have the second highest death toll out of any profession, um, working with cranes and heavy lifting and everything like that. And so I'm performing my, my job at about 30 metres up on the top of this platform and I miscalculate the, the lift with the crane and um, what, what, what happens is if it's out, off centre of gravity, this thing lifted up and it swung across this platform and I literally grabbed onto this uh, piece of structure that was swinging over the edge and I, and I see the the ground 30 metres below me as I swing over the edge of this platform and there's two tradesmen each side of this piece of structure and they basically pull me back onto the platform and there's this grim silence in the air for about, well, felt like an eternity but it was a few seconds and um, and then someone just made a joke and said, oh, that was a close call and it kind of sunk on me, started to, sink into me. I was like, I could have been flattened and um, splattered on the you know, pavement below, never to see my family again, never to say how much I love them. And uh, this really activated something within me. And um, <clears throat> I started questioning, you know, why I was here? What if I didn't do anything meaningful with my life? What if I, you know, 
didn't serve any purpose. And so from there, um, I went back to my room and these rooms are in on the mine sites. They're little one-by-one rooms and it was uh, coming into the day, into the morning because I'm on night shift. And I go back to my room and I go to sleep for about three hours and this was my third night. This occurred on the third night of um, me working up on the mine site. So the significance of three is really important to remember, which you'll hear about later on in the story. And so I go to sleep for three hours from about 8 to 11 and then I hear a bang and it's the cleaners cleaning the room next door to me. And I just walk out and say, hey, I'm just trying to sleep. Can you just keep it down? They're like, sure, no worries. We apologize. And I go lay down. And I just can't sleep. And I'm tossing and turning in the bed. And I, for about, well, it was about another 12 hours before I had to start my next, my next um, shift. So as I'm tossing and turning, I'm like, all right, I'll just go watch a YouTube or, you know, go keep my mind occupied so I can, Eventually, I'll fall asleep. I'll get tired. I'll just, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and toss and turn. So, um, there was about four hours before I had to wake up, and I laid in bed and I just started breathing. And I just started breathing really deeply. And I was, I've never done meditation up in, you know, up until this point in my life. I was pretty much, you know, dr- drunk a lot of alcohol um, throughout my, you know, younger years and up until this point. Um, and I wasn't into like health or I wasn't into wellness or anything like that. And I'm laying there and literally it felt like five minutes had gone by, but it was four hours and my alarm goes off and I just have this presence about it uh, within me. And I just, I can feel as I get up out of bed, I can feel like the clothes on my back. I feel my shoes, like everything I'm doing with just absolute presence with my breath and there's no thoughts in my mind. It's like my mind is just clear. And um, I go to the kitchen of the uh, this, what they call the, the dry mess, where it's like everyone's like, all oh, you can eat buffet pretty much and everyone has their own little tables. And um, I sit down to eat and it's like my senses were enhanced. Like I could, I could hear the air conditioner, the rustling of people collecting their forks and plates, the conversations that the chefs were having, the conversations behind me. And I could just, it's like all this extra information was coming in. And when I ate my food, I could, it tasted stronger. It was like, and it wasn't overwhelming. I was just really felt really, really present. And so I was up on this job for another three days and I did not, I couldn't sleep. And I I started to have this experience where I was like, what happens when we don't sleep? And so I um, end up flying back down to Perth, which is about a a three hour plane ride back into the city. And as I'm on the plane, um, we hit a certain altitude as we're going up and I get this euphoric feeling just kind of like, pulse through my brain and I was like whoa this is what's going on like all this stuff was just unfolding for me after this one event and then as I get back down to Perth I hadn't slept for about four or five days now and like I start having these these thoughts come up and 
I start feeling like, oh, no, I can't, I can't think about these certain thoughts because these thoughts that, was, that were coming up were like if I try to go to sleep, what happens if like I start sleepwalking and I do something that, you know, that's dangerous, right? And so my mind is just after four nights of not sleeping, my mind starts just playing tricks on me, right? And um, I then end up at my girlfriend's house at the time and uh, I'm trying to get to sleep. And she's like, Brett, just go to sleep. And it's been about, about, about five or six nights. So I close my eyes and then it was like if you could see the whole, whole kaleidoscope, of, a kaleidoscope of your whole life, every single experience at once in a kaleidoscope, that's what I'd, what I'd seen. And I went all the way back to the very first, it felt like if you could remember being born into the world and seeing light for the first time. Because literally I, I seen this flash of light and this feeling of just like unconditional love and this, this joy and I literally thought I'd died and go, gone to heaven. I was about to see God or Jesus or Buddha or something was about to sh- show show up and I thought in that moment I'd died because I hadn't had any sleep for six days. And this was all occurring. Like there was, I wasn't into any drugs or anything, so there was none of this was drug-induced. Um, this was all because of that event. And... Um, I end up on the edge of the bed and my heart's racing out of my chest. And I'm like, whoa, what was that? Like never really was, uh, never, was never brought up in religious setting or anything like that. So to see that, I was like quite shook and, you know, at my core. I was like, that was, that was amazing. I want to see what's on the other side of that. I want to go back there. So I closed my eyes again and then it was like the complete opposite. And if anyway anyone listening has seen um, the Lord of the Rings, there's a big flaming eye. And if you haven't, it's just like, it's just a flaming circle with a flaming eye in the center. And and it was like this, and the rest was just black. And it was like, it was like the void of emptiness. And it was like, if I could go into your body and you had a pain and pleasure dial and turn them all the way up to the maximum, that's what I felt like this excruciating numbness through me and it felt like an eternity and looking back now I was like it almost seemed like the two forces and the two polarities of the creation of the universe the void and the spark of life the spark of creation and um and so as I closed my eyes and and went through that whole experience it was like an eternity like I I went through I went back through time and space it was like this place we've been to now, something told me we'd been here before. This has all, all occurred before. And this is just, there's just a cycle to the universe. And as I came out of that experience, I was petrified. And so I started praying to God for the first time. And I was just like, please show me that you're real. Show me, give me a sign. And the room was pitch black. And as I started, you know, asking for guidance, the sun beamed through the, the blinds. It was like someone switched on the, the lights of earth and the birds were tweeting. And I walked to this window and um, opened up the blinds in this, this second story that, and the window backed out and there was this big reserve. And I just seen all these trees and 
Do you know? Do you know when you if if you've ever cried, you get like that ugly cry face, and you're uh, kind of like, mm. yeah. <laughs> well, my face was completely just plain, like just completely blank, and then just tears were just streaming down my cheeks, and I felt like I was the birds, I was the trees, I was one with everything, and everything was one with me, and um, I just felt so connected to everything in the universe. And it was quite profound because as I came out of that, I was like, whoa, what is going on? Like, and then what started to occur was um, I literally felt this call to go out into the bush. And so I ran out into the bush and I got lost. I got stuck in this reserve. I couldn't, I couldn't find my way out. And then eventually I, um, I find I find the uh, the fencing on the outside. I get it on the outside, and some uh, I wave someone down. They pick me up and and took me back to um, my great grandmother's where I was staying at the time. And um, my family all rocked up, and there was this sense of like breakdown in the communication for me because I didn't know how to explain what had gone on for me. I'm like, bro, what's what's going on? What's happened? And I didn't know what to say. So I just said, I I said, literally, I just said nothing. I just, I couldn't, I could not explain in words the way I've explained things to you now. It's like, it's, it's been over like seven years now to really reflect on that. And I had no idea. And it was like the veil of reality had been lifted and I could see like the symbols in, uh, you know, companies and organizations and corporations. And I, and I could see like all these signs around me. It was just like this whole system we've been born into was completely fabricated. It was, com- it's been completely fabricated. And we're just born into it with no choice. And we just show up here as like, and we just start taking on all these beliefs, all these, um, you know, all these uh, subconscious conditioning as we grow up. And I just seen beyond it all, like even on the, I'd hear the songs on the radio and I'd hear adverts and things. And I was like, I could just, something within me just, it didn't seem right. It, it didn't seem right. And it was just completely, um, it was completely shifting my worldview rapidly. And so the next thing I know, there's an, uh, the ambulance rocks up and there's these two paramedics. Um, they said, Brett, do you want to come with us? And I was by this age, I was like, just in a blank days, I was just like, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And so I get into the um, ambulance and we go to, they take me to the emergency. I'm in the emergency. My mum's with me um, at the time. And um, I, I look up at her and it's like, I look towards her and I say, I can't, I can't be here. This, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't safe for me. And she says, Okay, and so I walk out the front, and I'm, as I walk out the front, I'm standing and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, "Where am I going to go? What am I going to do?" And soon as I had that thought, my mum comes back and she's like, "Brett, what are you doing? Where are you going?" And she pulls me back in. And um, next thing I know, I get t- uh, a bed in the emergency uh, uh, section of the of the hospital, and I'm laying there, and a nurse comes and she's like, "Brett, we're going to put you to sleep now," and I was like. 
what is this? It sounded really creepy at the time. And I started freaking out. I was like, what is she going to put me down? Like, <laughs> like is that what they say to the dog before that, you know? And, um, or the pet, you know? And I was like, I, like my mind was started paranoia kicks in after not sleeping for a certain amount of number of days. You start, because what happened, what I experienced was like, I was having thoughts and then it was almost like, the reality on the outside was showing me signs of my thoughts, almost giving me instant feedback. It was like that, the, 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 the analytical mind, which separates the conscious and the subconscious mind had been kind of disrupted. So I was having conscious thoughts and then almost it was showing like it was these different things were showing up in my reality. Like my subconscious was either um, making it up and filling in the gaps or that reality is fluid, but we have a conscious mind and, a, and an analytical mind that stops any of that kind of occurring because, you know, every, everything in life is just based on perception. Everything in our reality and our environment is based on perception. And so I obviously go under, they sedate me, and then I wake up and I'm like, I'm in a bit of a haze. Like, I don't know how long I was out. I didn't know how long I was sleeping and I had all these cords hanging out of me and I just didn't feel safe. So I pulled out these cords and I got up out of the bed and I walked out from behind the curtain. There was a security guard standing outside behind the curtain. And he says, where do you think you're going? I said, oh, I don't feel safe. I'm going home. And I started walking. And the next thing, it was like my worst nightmare was coming true. I had five male nurses on top of me and I'm pleading with them, why are you doing this? I haven't like they're wrestling me and I'm like trying to, you know, fight for my freedom essentially. I'm like, I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't hurt myself. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And they dragged me into this little white room and strapped me down to a bed. And the next thing, I wake up in uh, the psychiatric ward. And I come to, and there's completely white walls, white um, uh, blanket and sheets. And uh, well, there was no padding like they show you in the movies. <laughs> it was actually just very sterile room. And I, I get up out of the bed and to my right, to my right side of the, the room, um, at the bottom right hand corner, there's a door of the, of, of the, of the room. So I walk outside the door and I look to my right and there's a long hallway. And in front of me, there's a, Four floor to, to, to roof windows on the opposite side of the corridor and I look out into the corridor and there's this red brick and this barren courtyard with three metre high steel fencing. And so in that moment my heart sunk. I thought I've been I've I've been thrown in the in the loony bin. I'm like my life's over. I'm never gonna be able to no one's ever gonna see me the same and I just completely, my, my, my whole world just shook. And I turned around and I was actually, what, as soon as I turned around, I seen room number 33. And in that, there was some meaning in that for me because the, the number 33, at the time I didn't realize, was well, I'd been up on this job for three nights. I'd slept for three, three hours and then I'd, it was three nights before I came back down to Perth. So all these things were happening in three. And I've always looked at three, you know, three is the third we're the third planet from the sun, um, you know, all these different elements that revolve like three is a sacred number. And um, so there was all these 
things coming up. And so basically what happened then was I had uh, every single doctor in the whole hospital come and see me and they'd be like, oh, Brad, you've got bipolar. And I would be like, I don't believe your labels. And I'd be like, why do you think that? They're like, oh, you have, you have a brain imbalance. And I was like, what's imbalance? And they couldn't explain. And so they'd put me on medication and I would like, I wouldn't like the medication, make me feel weird. So then the next time they'd change a doctor. And so, oh, Brett, you got schizophrenia. Then it was bipolar. Then it was manic depression. Then it was psychosis. Then it was multiple personality disorder. And every single time they came in, I'd be like, I don't believe in your fucking labels. I, you can't put me in a box. And um, thank God I did because otherwise, if I believed one of those labels, I would have literally been on this medication. That would have become part of my identity. I'm X. I have X or I've been diagnosed with X. And so it wasn't until uh, a man who came in and he said to me, he's the most experienced person in the whole place. He said, had 40 plus years from South Africa, all these extra credentials, which I didn't really like. Everyone was telling me that he was like the specialist. and I didn't really care. Like at the end of the day, I was not going to allow myself to be labeled um, by the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And um, he sat across from me and he said, look, Brett, I've only ever seen this in one other, um, one other time in my whole career, but it's what's called a transient phenomenon. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'll, I'll roll with that. that <laughs> I'll buy that label. <laughs> um, and there was nothing literally – I've looked up in line. There's no – it's not really uh, – I think he's made it up because I can't find any, any, any sources on that. Um, on that term. And so uh, from there, what had, what, had, what had then happened was he told me that that same experience I had on the plane of the euphoria, the exact other per- the, the other person was on the exact opposite end of the spectrum was scuba diving when he felt that feeling and had, and had this experience. And so it was a very like eye-opening, eye-opening um, experience because because we all kind of like we would be in there and we would be like kind of like awake to what was going on in the outside world. Everyone was kind of sleepwalking through life and we were being drugged up so we could go back out into the, into the zombie world, right? And we thought we were the same ones and everyone else was crazy. <laughs> um, and like a lot of people in there, they, they, they never harm anyone. They just were socially... I guess not doing the standard behavior and uh, looking back now it was all part of meant to be part of my journey. And it was um, all part of the, you know, the divine order you could say for, for that to occur because after I'd got out, I'd, I, I, I was told I would be on medication for the rest of my life, if not two years. And I was having this medication. And I was asleep for like 16 hours a day. And I was feeling like, Whoa, this, this is, um, not doing me any good. I'm feeling into a bit of a, falling into a bit of a dark hole, and uh, so I started to wean myself back and started to go for runs and and started to work out at the park and things like that just to get my mind moving and my body moving. And then I came across an article where it was one piece of information that kind of just set me on a journey. Where it was an article of a, a shaman walks through a psychiatric ward and he says, these are people with gifts. There's just no initiation in the modern world for someone going through a spiritual awakening. And um, I was kind of t- taken back 
because I see I found meaning in what occurred for me. I was like, all right, there's there's something else to this, and so I started looking into um, Buddhism and meditation, and I started looking at different um, uh, religions and, and theology. Then that led me to then want to understand the brain and neurology, and I started studying epigenetics and quantum physics. And so a year later. I met my first mentor who introduced me to some of uh, some of the listeners might know Dr. Joe Spencer's work. And then in in 2016, I went um, on one of the world's largest cruise ships and sat with Dr. Joe Spencer and had dinner with him and told him about my story and my journey. And he looked at me and he said, "Brett, don't let your story define you; let it empower you." And so since then, I've just been on this this journey to want to understand life, to want to understand universal laws and principles and how I could heal what occurred for me and heal my, uh, I guess, my mind in a sense to see things with a greater spectrum of awareness because I knew that there was deep meaning to what occurred for me if I just took the time to look, if I took the time to, to see like, what what was the lesson? What was the blessing um, in these events? And uh, and yeah, it completely was necessary to my personal evolution. And only like a couple of um, months back, I actually some of this stuff came up of when I was I would refuse the medication, and then they would come in and pin you down. And basically, this was my direct experience of medical tyranny, where I'd get jabbed with a needle in my ass. Um, you know, several times, uh, it was several times in my 28 days that I was there um, at night that would come in and basically pin me down and, and jab me. And um, I went back to that experience and I used to have a lot of resentment and I realized that these people were just loving me with all their heart, doing what they thought was the right thing for me at that time. And it was probably something I did need and if I didn't, if that didn't occur, I you know, I could have ran out into the bush and, you know, I was getting called to nature, but you know, I could have. Who knows? Who knows what could have happened if I if I didn't get put through that experience? But it was an experience I was meant to have because now, when um, as a as a coach, as a as a person who actually guides people to discover their purpose, I now can hold anybody through anything that they've been through because I've been through one of the you know one of the most in my perspective, in my perception, one of the most challenging events of my life, I've overcome that and been able to share from a place of vulnerability and authenticity that no matter what anyone, any human being's been through, that if they take the time to see the hidden blessing and the divine order of how that actually was specifically designed for the evolution of their soul, then, you know, then once that you have that realization, that's really, really so liberating. It's no longer a weight on your shoulders. It's no longer a burden. That because I for a while there, I had to bury that story and push it down. And and I thought I'd never be able to. I could never tell a soul about what occurred for me. I'll never tell another human being that story because it held a lot of shame and a lot of uh, guilt. And and um, now it's it's my personal story of transformation because up until that point in my life, I, I didn't believe there was anything greater than what we can see with our physical eyes. And it led me, I dropped out in year 10, uh, 
Jeff. So at 15 years old, I'd stopped going to school and hadn't picked up a book in seven years. And, and now I can, I can sit down. Like I recently spoke to the psychiatrist after seven years at the start of this year and had a conversation with him about neurochemistry and um, neuroplasticity and, and all this stuff. And he was asking me for sources and information that I was, and I, and I was giving it to him. This dude's been in, in his career for 45 years. And so I've been grateful enough to find the information that's, it's cutting edge. It's cutting edge science. It's, it's groundbreaking, shifting paradigms about what we know about reality, especially stuff in quantum physics, which is really fascinating. But um, that's the story in a nutshell, really. <laughs> a long, long story short-ish. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate that. Um, You're welcome. So I want to take you back to the beginning. It sounded like you almost had an accident at work where you could have died, but you luckily didn't die. Is that correct? You, yeah, you, and yeah. The, and somehow that seemed like it spun you into like an existential crisis. You started thinking about mm. what would life be without you and you didn't do all that. And then it appears that it kind of morphed itself into some kind of spiritual awakening. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. Did you ever feel like you were outside of your body at any point in time? Oh, many times, especially when, um, uh, you know, when I was in the, in the, in the in the bush um in the nature reserve like i would sit down when i was lost in there and i would just you know i would just take myself back to being in bed and thinking i was going to wake up from a bad bad dream and then in the um when i was on the medication like that stuff just yeah i was just i would like find myself two hours after just staring at this blank wall and i just gone and traveled the whole universe like you know it was like some pretty full-on experiences, um, but nothing that really stands out in specific detail because it was all a blur. Like a lot of lot of stuff happened in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really is like I I went you know there was points where I was in the in the in the in nature and I just seen like the universe in a grain of sand. It was like my mind traveled into this grain of sand and it was like the universe was in there and I went back into the, you know, solar system and a planet and just like all like a vivid movie in my mind though. And it was like, they call it, um, you know, I was hallucinating and um, I would speak to like, there was a particular um, psychiatrist who was doing his studying as a, a student and he would come and sit in and, me and him had a few one-on-one chats and he said, look, I've, I've been doing some soul searching since I met you. And I said to him, so what, what's occurs? Like I said, I, I felt like I was having all these extra senses my my senses were heightened. He said, yeah, people who go through um, psychosis actually feel like their, their, their hearing increases or their sight will increase. And so for me, I took that as like, well, what if that's actually happening within the brain and it's, and we're perceiving a greater spectrum of reality. And what occurred was obviously because when you have a needed experience, the pineal gland activates and you have DMT released. Mine was like, as like an onset delayed kind of response where it wasn't in a, it didn't all happen in this one flash where I'd literally died. It was like I near, I had this near death experience where I almost seen myself falling to this concrete 30 meters below me 
And then it kind of shook me afterwards. And I didn't really think much of it afterwards until I got woken up um, three hours after my, into my sleep, which, you know, if I didn't get woken up in that moment, I probably would have just had a regular sleep and, my, you know, would have gone back to normal and my life would have just been down the road of following what my parents wanted me to do, which was to, you know, get the good job, buy the white picket house, you know, get the white picket fence and a house, get a pet, get a wife, you know, have a happily ever after, get in a lot of debt mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, slave away for the rest of my life basically, doing something that doesn't truly fulfill me and then make up for the unfulfillment with alcohol or gambling or, you know, just entertainment and, you know, probably be one of the, the, the people that, you know, not that, there's any, not that it's right or wrong, but someone who doesn't listen to podcasts and would just rather watch, you know, TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it definitely opened up my whole worldview and took my whole, like, changed, changed the whole tra- trajectory of my entire life, basically, Jeff, where, you know, I, was, I, was, I looked at some of the notes that um, after I'd been – out for a couple of years and it was like, I was saying to him, like, I'm here to create a new universe and I'm, I'm a prophet. And I had this, um, Russell Brand talks about it in a, in a, in a, in one of his standups, it's called the Messiah complex. And so because of this internal shift that I had taken place and seeing this, how fluid reality is, there was a part of me that was like, started to see like, Oh, whoa, we're in create, where we create this. And, and now if you look into some of the quantum physics, the observer effect is a perfect example. It's like we observe matter into existence and our senses can only, for instance, our sight can only see 1% of the visible known light spectrum. So out of the, out of the, uh, out of the known light spectrum, we can only see 1% of the uh, other 99%. And that doesn't, that's from, um, gamma rays to ultraviolet Mm -hmm. and then outside of that we there's probably light that we haven't even observed or studied yet the outside that um spectrum of light so we are only seeing a slither of reality and um we are based upon you know the way we've been i guess taught through our education system through through lineage, we are taught that we're powerless, that, you know, life is just a random events of, you know, genetic mutations over time. And this is the paradigm of the, the, the Darwin theory that we just randomly popped up out of, out of nowhere because of random genetic mutations. And here we are now and life's meaningless and purposeless and it's survival of the fittest. And then that's where, you know, that's the paradigm of our society. Oh, everyone's going out and, 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 you know, it's it, it's essential, but everyone's going out and uh, you know, it's it's neighbor against neighbor. It's I'm gonna outdo them, and I'm gonna have a nicer car or a nicer house or a nicer stuff or this or that. And so there's this part of us that's been lost connection with our divinity um, as a species, and we put it in. Some people will put it in religion, or some people will put it in, uh, you know, in the dollar. Some people will put their, you know. They'll they'll worship brands and uh, icons and idols and superstars. And really, we've forgotten that the energy that flows through our frontal cortex, right, 
the prefrontal lobe of our brain, the, this, which is the crowning achievement of human evolution, the same energy that's passing through that is the same energy that's creating supernovas in the atmosphere. Like through the quantum field, everything is entangled. And when you see direct experience of the, uh, experiences of that, like it's, it's profound because you see how the center of the universe is actually within the human mind. That's a so good we've way. created, we've I, created everything, Jeff. That's a fascinating way to look at that. I'm a fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, and I really like his meditations. What part of his program did you find was most helpful for you? I love his meditations, and I've done them since you know 2016, and um, done tried different ones. I found more so the information was really really potent, like understanding the brain and neurology and for me we just piece some holes together it like because you know i've studied like um um some of bruce lipton's work some of dr uh, john Martini's work and these different um principles around our mind and and quantum physics. And so what I've found really most empowering about Joe's is probably more so the information about around how we actually create this reality. And one meditation I did a couple of months ago is like, did the thank, thank, uh, thank life for an unpredictable sign to let you know that you're on the right track that he does in some of the end of his meditations. So I felt called to go down the beach and I did some breath work as I was doing some breath work, a, a bird actually landed on top of my head. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what? And then it flew off and then I was like doing my breath work and then it came, it crawled up my arm, landed back on top of my head and there's like people walking past at the beach like taking photos and laughing. And, you know, it's like little things like that, I guess, when you start to see the effects that your mind has in reality, like creating um, my, um, my six-week course, Discover Your Purpose, like, before any of this, uh, before that happened, I was literally about 12 months ago, me and one of my best friends that I'd met along my journey, um, I, we actually moved into a retreat center. Uh, it was a 20-bedroom retreat center on 52 acres in the Perth Hills. And we began setting it up. It had been vacant for about three years and we pretty much manifested this thing, no capital down, like no, like literally no risk. And um, we, we got given the keys to this place and we started setting it up. And then 12 months after we had our first event in um, January of this year. And then a week later on the 1st of February, it was a Monday, the bushfires came through and, and, and burnt half the building down. So it was unlivable. So we had to evacuate. And um, that was like a complete shift in terms of my focus and energy and it was like, all right, well, how can I do something that serves and, and makes a difference in people's lives? And cause we had this whole plan and set up for this retreat center to help people bring community together and help people focus on their health, focus on their wellness, focus on their vision. And so that's when I decided to um, create an online aspect and I never thought, 
I would be able to do it. You know, there was a point of me where I was like, oh, can I do this? I've never been able to do anything like this. And so I just had to trust and surrender. And um, I literally was that, was, that was the experience of being able to take control of your own emotions, you know, and, and, and stay in that point of, um, I guess, stay with an open heart that if I just keep following this, this path that is being called upon me, things will unfold as they're meant to. And now I've got clients from seven different countries all over the world. So what is your purpose? So my purpose is express the love of my heart and serve humanity. That's a short version, but I've also got a, a 25 word statement, which is um, the divine love within me is a unique expression of creation that I wholeheartedly share as a gift to the world. So that's my purpose summed up, but I literally have like a three-page document with each area of my life, how I want that to look, and I read that and refine that. I've been refining that over probably probably the last six years after I met my first mentor. Is there anything about this experience that you had that inspires you? Um, yeah, so the biggest thing is like, we all have our darkest moment in our life, right? And that's what makes us human. Like if you look into some of Joseph Campbell's work, who was a mythologist, mm-hmm. he spoke about the hero's journey. And we all have this dark, you know, this moment of, you know, he calls it the belly of the whale or the pit moment of our life. And I feel like as individual expressions of creation, we show up here and we go through this life and we choose what is going to take our soul in the greatest trajectory of evolution and these darkest moments that we we are here to overcome them and shine the light for others who are walking through the dark and so my message is that no matter what you've been through no matter what's occurred that all life is transient we're here for a flash of an eye you know in a million years everything we know love have built will be dust and so life is transient but also it's a phenomenon. We're all phenomenal. The fact that we showed up in this physical form with the experiences that we've been through, like we get so caught up in the drama of our daily lives, we forget that like the atoms that me and you were made out of, right? Because in the law of thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics, it talks about the law of conservation. And the law of conservation states that energy can be neither created nor destroyed. It only can transform. And so the atoms that we are made up of, the particles that we are made up of, are literally as old as time. It was the same energy that was, that was exploded into existence from the Big Bang. It's the same amount of energy that exists today. It's just taken a unique form and a unique structure. And I'd realized along this stuff, like the fabric of reality is unconditional love that's what gives order and organization to matter Mm. so my message is like no matter what you've been through there's there's always love in the event and love and not love like human love like i only love you if you don't sleep with anyone else or if you don't do this or you don't do that that's conditional right unconditional love is like seeing the love in where you swore it never existed and I would define it as the unity of polarity because everything in, in our life, we, we perceive things as dark and light. 
pleasure and pain, right and wrong, good and bad, happy and sad. And the unity of those two polarities is what I would define as unconditional love. And so we're here as immortal souls to learn to love it all. And because at a higher level, like we already know this, we've already experienced this, like all consciousness, right? Consciousness in my view is like created itself to experience itself in all forms. So we all come from the same source. It's like a seed was planted and you can say that was the, 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 the big bang, right? And then a tree grew and then we're all leaves on that individual tree, but we all come from that same seed. And then, you know, trees will fall off and die and new trees will come in that, in, in that place. And this is kind of like, and then it's like, it makes you wonder like, well, if we're here living this life and we're, we can self-reflect as consciousness on ourselves, like there's deep meaning in all of that, but we've been told it's just random series of events and life is meaningless, just survival of the fittest. And it's, it doesn't truly serve us as individuals because we're starting to realize now, like, we are all part of this collective creation of of, um, of reality. Mm-hmm. We're co we're co-creators, you know. And yeah, that, then we go into like Carl Jung's theories where he talked about the collective unconsciousness and like if we all believe in a certain paradigm, that will then create the the limitations of us as as, as and potential as beings. And um, and then that's all reflected back into our neurology and then that's how we project our, our reality out into the universe because ultimately it's not reality coming in through our senses. It's our brain is structured and hardwired in a certain way to perceive reality and we project that lens onto the world. Who would you have been if you would have never had this potential accident? <laughs> that's a great question. I would probably be just sleepwalking through my life, if I'm honest, just miserable inside, um, angry, cold, just bitter, you know, bitter at the, the, the hand that life, that life had dealt me because, you know, I had a pretty um, rough upbringing. We all have our story, you know. I see it was dis- dysfunctional family and, I made it mean that, you know, I came from a broken home, so I was broken and I carried this story on my shoulder, dragged it around with me throughout life and it would affect my relationships and my social life and my work life and all this kind of stuff and I never really stopped to look and reflect. Um, so if, I, if that didn't occur, I would probably be, yeah, just not even half a person I am today. I would be completely just... Yeah, just uh, numb to numbing myself to my potential as a human being and as as an infinite soul walking this this planet. Like, yeah, it's a good question, man. It's mm. it's hard to really say, but I feel like now there was a part of me always growing up that was a deep thinker that was a little bit philosophical. Like, philosophy was always really interesting to me, um, and I ignored that. I, you know, ignore that I had to do what everyone else wanted me to do and live up to everyone else's expectations. So I kind of was lucky because I probably would have had a midlife crisis, you know, at 40 years old, but it feels like, you know, I've, I've had like three before I'm 30. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just evolved. It helped me evolve, you know, it helped me um, 
feel a sense of knowing within myself that we are here as as consciousness experience itself and to experience all of it, the pleasure and the pain, the right and the wrong, the good and the bad, and to open our hearts and to continue to open our hearts and continue to open our because there was a quote I heard recently. It was like, there's so many people who are living but not alive because they live with a closed heart. You're obviously a completely different person than you were back then. How have your friends and family reacted to the new you? Another good question. Um, well, to say first off, I was very isolated. You know, my family, my, 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 my family actually was pulled together was a very strong unit and supported me the best way that they knew. You know, they just they were present. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do, but they just they just showed up. After I got out, they went back to everyone went back back to normal lives, and I was stuck in my thoughts in my room. Literally, I wasn't working at the time just trying to piece together the puzzle. And then I was fortunate enough to meet someone um, who opened me up to, I remember uh, it was probably a year later, I went to, um, well, I have to share a bit of a story with you. So my mum, a year later after this event, got breast cancer or was diagnosed breast cancer. And so she was, she was going through her kind of healing journey and her, you know, dark night of the soul, you could say. And she, my babysitter, who my mom's still friend with when I was four, she was 14. Um, she said to my mom, you need to go and see my cousin. He makes superfoods. So my mom and my sister went around there and got some superfood powder. And they said, Brett, we found someone who's just like into all the stuff. Cause I'd been on this journey of like, studying meditations and, you know, organic eating and uh, yoga. And he's like, we found someone who's into the same stuff as you. You should, you need to meet him. And so I went over to his house and had like a bit of a sharing circle and everyone started sharing their story. It was coming to me and I was like, holy shit, I've never told a soul this. And I'm here with, with a room full of strangers that don't know me. I'm about to share this story. And so I told them and as I looked up, they all had their jaws dropped and they were like, what, what, what happened next? And they're like, wow, you had a spiritual awakening. And they're like, go and look up um, all these different people. I think it was like Deepak Chopra and Don Tolman and Alan Watts and this, what, read the Celestial Prophecy, the Alchemist, like all these different. I was like, okay. And I was taking all these notes down. And, and um, so my whole kind of social circle expanded. And so... I still have friends that I was friends with before, but we're obviously on different paths now and I continue to expand my, my, my social circle and my sphere of, of people um, who I connect with and um, my family now. Yeah, they, they, they really, I'm, I'm, I'm their, like, I feel like their trusted advisor in life and uh, in their health and so they come to me when they're, they're struggling. Um, I, an ex-partner actually said to me, she's like, Brett, you're the shaman of the family. And you're like, you went through the initiation, you know? Um, and I feel like that occurs for a lot of people where we have this spiritual awakening in whatever way, fa- shape or form. It, it might not be as intense as, for instance, my story, but like you have this realization and you start to realize there's more to what you've been told. There's more mystery outside your history there's more you know 
there's more answers to your questions. There's more, um, I guess, realizations that you haven't had. And so for me, like, I feel like every single, anyone who goes through that an awakening, they go through that point where they feel a little bit alone and a little bit lost and like everyone's, you know, not real, not, not awake around them and they, and they feel kind of trapped or they feel um, isolated in, in one way, shape or so. And right now what's going on in the planet, like people are waking up rapidly to what is really going on in the world and and um i feel really blessed and honored to be able to go through that experience back then because it allowed me to be be prepared for what was going what's coming you know and what's been going on because whilst we don't know what's going to happen in the future like um there's also uh you know one thing i want to share with the audience as well is like i had a, a deep meditation and realization that because my niece was born last year at the at the start of the pan, pandemic, or some of my friends like to say the the uh, scamdemic. <laughs> However you want to view it, um, and so she was born, and I started to feel fear of like, what kind of world is she going to grow up in? If this is where we're headed, you know, if this is what was unfolding, and then I just got this realization of like that she was, she, you know, she's here to experience whatever her soul was meant to experience and that nothing outside in this physical realm, in this physical existence, nothing can harm an immortal soul. And that just gave me so much like a sense of safety and a sense of security. It's like nothing outside can harm, uh, outside in this physical reality can harm an immortal soul. And so... That was a real blessing um, to receive that 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 insight. I'm gonna switch gears on you because we're kind of starting to run out of time. But um, okay. you do have an online course. What is your website for that? So my website is discoveryourpurpose.com.au. Okay. All spelled the normal way. Um. And so that's just an application to have a, a basically a chat to see where you're at. Uh, you know, it's a it's a um, it's a free consultation to see where an individual's at, what do they need, what do they feel like they feel if they're feeling lost or confused and lacking direction in their life to really get clarity on why they're here and where they're going. Because in that seven years. Jeff, after that near-death experience and to where I'm now, I was literally studying the science of purpose. Like I was looking for my purpose. I was wondering why this thing occurred for me and what happened and what it meant. And as I was going throughout it, like the bushfires hit and I had a handful of notepads that I evacuated with and I opened up these pages and it was all related to purpose. And I was like, whoa. And that was what, that was when my, when I had that realization, that was where discover your purpose was birthed. Um, because I'd realized for the last seven years I'd been researching this stuff and it was all linked. And so our behavior, our internal compass, whether we're aware of it or not, is actually trying to give us feedback, right, from the environment to take us back on track. Now, if we're not clear of it, we'll try to live out someone else's expectations and someone else's, uh, like what I was doing. I was walking the path that my parents wanted me to walk and then life kind of just, you know, bitch slapped me. <laughs> And took me completely into this whole other realm 
And it's led me down to this. And every single event and every single sequence was specifically designed to take me to this point. And when you see that, you know with absolute certainty and clarity that, hey, this is where I'm meant to be. And so when someone comes to me like, I want to have that realization to know that they're on the right track, that they're, that they're, you know, the most important thing a human being could ever do in their whole entire life is get clear on their purpose, why they're here. If you look at any influential person, anyone who's made a difference in the world, left a mark, made an impact, they all have one thing in common. Do you know what that is, Jeff? Knowing their purpose. That's it. <laughs> is there a simple way for someone to identify that they know their purpose? Hmm. That's a really good question. Like as if you're successful in life, does that mean you know your purpose? Does it have to be you not only being successful, but as well as happy and loving what you do as well? Well, that's exactly right because there's so many people who are successful that they're not on their no, – there's the people out there who are miserable and they're making millions of dollars a year and they just think, oh, when I get the next target, the next thing outside. So what it is really – whatever's truly most inspiring and fulfilling and meaningful to us is our purpose. So our life, like if you sat down and you had an hour to, to do anything and no one needed to remind you, no one needed to tell you what you should do, what would, your, what would you spontaneously be inspired to act upon? Now, most people would probably scroll through Instagram and Facebook, but again, their feed is tailored to their own inner, inner psyche, their inner consciousness. And so the information that they resonate with most is actually aligned with their purpose but we get so clouded with all these different opinions and expectations and ideas. And then we're trying to add more information when really we need to clear that information. So we get clear, a clear um, connection to our heart and our heart has always been guiding us and, and life's been showing us signs the whole time. So to answer your question, to know when you're on purpose is when you get to that point where, you do something you love that literally can bring a tear of gratitude to your eye where it's like your heart opens up and you're like, this is exactly why I'm here and there's, and you have clarity. There's no doubt. There's no, and you're willing to dedicate your energy and your, your energies and dedicate your life to fulfill that thing. It's not like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing over here and then take two days off or, 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 you know, then I do this and then I go on vacation it's something you would be intrinsically inspired to do that no one would ever need to remind you. And um, that's different for every human being. But then we get caught in that we have to work and then leisure is different. But what we love to do and what actually serves a need in the world, right? The thing that we value most, we can fill a void with, right? For another human being. And same with this person, whatever they value, they can fill it. What they value fills the void for someone else. And that's kind of how I see the world is like, we're all this interconnected ecosystem where we are inspiring each other to evolve. So you want to do something that you love to do, but it's also something that fulfills a need for somebody else. Yeah. If a guy just loves going fishing all day because he just loves fishing, that's kind of not really a purpose because it's not really helping anybody unless there's too many fish on the planet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, like if that's his value, yeah, he can do that. But like the question is then it, we get most fulfilled from when we're serving as well. 
there's two different parts of the brain. There's a motoring, motory, um, a motoring aspect and there's a sensory aspect of the brain. Sensory is where we receive reward and pleasure. And the motoring output is where we it's to do, involved with action and our intentions. And so if we're just sitting there and we're just doing it for ourselves, at some point it will become unfulfilling. But then at, when we merge, like say the fisherman, he goes and he goes, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a boat and every weekend I get 10 people on this boat and we go to this luxury, not luxury, but like we go to this exclusive island where there's specific fish and we go diving and, and he gets to do what he loves and he serves a, serves a, a purpose then, you know what I mean? Then it's the, the meshing of those two things is what is going to fulfill us most. Um, and the thing is as well, I want to be really clear is that the path we are destined to walk hasn't been walked by anyone before. It's something that's unique and specific to us it'll be um for me like i write music and i and i and i put out my music as well i i what i what i teach and what i share with people is like information that's specific to my own journey that i've created and meshed all these different pieces together and um so what we're here to do is isn't we're here to basically forge our own path and inspire other people to do what lights them up. And when we do that, that's when we activate the prefrontal cortex where we have executive function, we have self-governance, we have our inner inner genius and creativity. We're most influential in our ability to communicate. Um, We have more of a longer-term vision than a short-term satisfaction, want to just numb out and eat the sugar, gamble, do whatever to escape. Um, or to make up for the unfulfillment in our lives. So when we're doing what truly lights us up, we are most empowered as well. And so I feel like what's going on in the world at a mass scale is like it's, it's, it's actually part of our evolution to, for us to go, we're, we're giving our power away to external forces to govern our lives and now people are waking up going, no, 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 I want to lead from within. I, I don't want to be led from someone else because we've been constantly outsourcing our own sense of leadership, our own sense of, you know, we outsource our thinking to Google, to YouTube, to Facebook, and we let our consciousness be hijacked and we lose connection to our heart. And heart, our heart actually has a plexus of neurons and wherever there's neurons in the body is the most intelligence. And so when we're connected to that, there's actually wisdom. And that's why all the ancient cultures, all of them have, they talk about the heart. And now we know that the the heart actually sends eight times more signals to the brain than the brain sends signals to the heart. So the heart is constantly giving information up to the brain, but we're so caught in our heads trying to figure it out and analyze everything. We lose connection and the brain has two hemispheres. It's in duality. It's like, yeah, it has these two, do this, or what about that? Or what about, you know, fear? That's where fear is. But in a heart, it's, it's, it's one it's one clear voice. It's, it's an inner knowing. And if you start to, you know, when you meditate, I, I, I honestly, I have questions. I ask myself questions and I ask my heart questions all the time and I get clear feedback. I get clear response. And that, when we start to master, I guess when we start to get clear on the voice on with, within us, that inner voice, that in, intuition, right, then the voices on the outside and the opinions on the outside start to, I guess, fade out and the voice on the inside becomes loudest and that's what's going to lead us and govern us 
most effectively. It's interesting that you mentioned the heart because this morning I did one of Joe Dispenza's meditations on bringing more abundance to your life and opportunities. And I think, I'm trying to put it the way he was saying it, but basically you want to bring all that energy through the heart and feel through the heart. And I was wondering about that. I was like, well, is that, why did he choose the heart from bringing in abundance and, and energy and opportunity? Was it a chakra thing or what? Well, the, the heart is the center of the higher worlds, which is your higher chakras, and the lower world, which is your lower chakras. It's the middle. It's the balancing point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're in our heart, like to the soul, that's where our soul, right, you can say our soul is part of, is connected to our heart. The state, soul is like the un, state of unconditional love. So when we're in our heart, like nothing's missing. We're not, we're not in scarcity. We're not afraid. We're not, if you just, you know, if someone listening, if you just put your hand on your heart and you just pause for a few moments, like you're not worried about what's going on out here. You're, you're in, internal and you feel safe. You feel connected. You feel present. You feel grounded when you're connected to your heart. And so, in another way of saying it is like to the senses, something is always missing, but to the soul and to the heart, nothing's missing. And so as soon as we recognize nothing's missing, we're then able to create from a point of, uh, I guess, freedom and, and liberation. And, and there's no limitations when we create from that space and we start to resonate. So if someone comes to you and they, and you know, they're being all analytical and logical you're probably not going to connect them with them as much and you know they're probably not going to be as influential if someone's sharing something from their heart yeah. and sharing their, their from their heart as well you know that's where we really feel connected and what's missing in the world is that deeper connection to to our heart as well um, and to the heart at a greater level because we're all so just governed by the inner workings of our mind and um you know, one of the things I talk about in Discover Your Purpose is that um, even when it comes to our wealth, like the more clear we are in our purpose, the more intentional we are with our actions, the more creative we obviously are, the more influential we are. So our, our wealth lies in what we perceive our purpose to be. If you look at like, say, like Elon Musk or anyone that's making a huge influence and impact in the world, they have a clear purpose and they attract wealth into their life because they have a long-term vision because a long-term vision pays you and short-term satisfaction costs you. And so this is, we've all been trained to have like blinkers on week to week, month to month, you know, the longer, the greater the, the, um, the greater our vision in terms of space and time that it takes up, the more driven internally we feel we feel to fulfill that. And especially if it's connected to our heart. Mm. Like if it's not connected to our heart, we'll give up eventually. We're like, oh, it's too hard. Mm. Uh, it's not, that's, not, that's not for me. That's not my thing. Yeah. But if it's connected to your heart and you can see how all the things in your life, all the childhood trauma, all, all the drama that you went through, all the challenges you went through was actually specifically designed to evolve you to fulfill your purpose. When you see that, like it can't be unseen. And so it's almost like life was training you. Like there's specific like um, uh, moments in my life or series of moments in my life where like an 
an, a, a relationship that was a year and a half and there's one conversation that was like, oh, that was what I was meant to get from it. That was the one piece of, that was the one thing that, and it's like our mind will remember that as well. So when we activate our purpose, what the ancient Greeks called our telos, they, call, they called it, they created a whole study on it called teleology, which is the study of meaning and purpose. Over 3,000 years ago, they wrote about this because they knew how important it was. And Napoleon Hall calls it the chief aim. Um, you know, there's different names for it. So the telos, there's a part of the brain called the telencephalon, which is the forebrain. And when that lights up, we have the most retention of information. We have the most attention and, and we have the most intention. So meaning we have whatever we remember the most clearly in our mind, those memories, if we have a negative association to it, we need to really balance those out and see the hidden blessing because it's, that's life giving us a sign and an indication that we actually that there's meaning and purpose in that that we haven't actually seen. But also if there's things that you remember that inspire you, that's connected to your purpose. Um, whenever we feel concentrated and most focused and most attention, like if I started talking to you about makeup or car engines and you weren't into car engines or makeup, like you would have, you would probably, you'd go over your head and you'd be like, you just glaze over, right? If someone said that to me, I know I would, depending on what lights you up, right? Um, if your name was Jenny and you loved makeup, maybe you'd be like, oh yeah, great, I love this. But the point is we have most attention and most focus and concentration on whatever aligns to our purpose. And then we have the most intention. So meaning whatever we spontaneously feel inspired to act upon, right, is part of our purpose as well. So one of the things that's really, really important to understand is looking at also our voids, what we perceive as most missing. So whatever we perceive as most missing growing up, for me, there was a lack of understanding. And so now I have a high value on understanding, which is learning and communication and, and expanding my mind. Um, for instance, like uh, most doctors, nurses, carers, healers perceive there was a lack of care in their life. So they have a high value on care. Most judges, police, uh, lawyers perceive there was a great injustice done by them. So they have a high value on uh, maintaining justice. So all these govern our psychology at a deep unconscious level. And this is what is actually responsible for every single action and decision and choice we've ever made in our life. Hmm, wow. All right. I'm running out of time, Brett. So I'm going to have to get one more question out of you or maybe a Beautiful. statement. But before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everyone? What I would love to share is that no matter what you're going through, what you've been through, or what you're going to go through, that you are loved. No matter what you've done or what you haven't done, you are worthy of love. That's a great message. Brett, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. And since you're on the other side of the planet, the day's kind of just begun for you over there. So enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Jeff. And it was an absolute privilege and honor to um, be able to connect with you um, in, this, in this way. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for the podcast. All right. Take care. See you, Jeff. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.